So how do we pronounce God's name? It's time for The Line of Fire with your host, activist, author, international speaker, and theologian, Dr. Michael Brown, your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. Michael Brown is the director of the Coalition of Conscience and president of Fire School of Ministry. Get into The Line of Fire now by calling 866-34-TRUTH. That's 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Hey friends, Michael Brown, blessed and delighted to be with you. As always, welcome to today's Line of Fire broadcast. I'm not taking calls. In fact, most of the shows this week, I'm not taking calls. We're doing special teaching or airing special interviews for you. So I trust you're finding these edifying and a blessing and a help. But if you have questions, if something comes up and you have a question, by all means, write to us. Just go to AskDrBrown.org. You'll see the link that says contact. You can send in your questions, and some of them we answer on the air. And others, we have a tremendous team working with me. Your New Testament general Bible-related questions go to a New Testament scholar with a PhD. Your Old Testament Hebrew-Jewish-related questions go to an Old Testament scholar with a PhD. These are trusted team members who believe the same things I believe. And then they'll send me copies of answers and things. I can then interact with them as well. And you can always get involved in the discussion where this is posted on YouTube in particular, weigh in with your comments there. Okay. The name of God, the specific name of Jesus. What do we make of this? Can we know God's name for sure? Should we debate over it? Should we say Jehovah or Yehovah or Yehovah? Or should we say Yahweh? Or is it something else, Yahuwah, or something else? What about the name of Jesus? Is it Jesus? I mean, should we use the Greek? Does the Greek come from Zeus? Yes, some say that. that. Should we use the original Hebrew Aramaic, Yeshua? Is that the right pronunciation? Or Yehoshua? Or is that even the right pronunciation originally? <clears throat> Has that been changed? Should we even care about it? Well, let, let's take a look. Let's separate fact from fiction. And and let's just say this, the most important thing is not how we pronounce God's name, but that we know him personally, that we understand him, that we love him, that we serve him, that we reverence him, that we honor him, that we understand his character, his ways, what he desires of us, what he requires from us. That's the most important thing. So can we agree on that? Because you, you'd be amazed, friends, <clears throat> when we exposed the errors of the idea that Hebrew letters in the Bible still maintain a pictographic meaning, which, which no Hebrew Semitic scholar on the planet would, would say, yeah, that's true. I mean, you may have some mystical person into all kinds of mystical things, but in terms of just the history of language development of the language, no, the pictograph meanings no longer uh, apply and are no, long, no longer work. And for people to try to find meanings for everyone that seems to have a relevant meaning, there are 50 or 100 that have no relevant meaning. In any case, in any case, when, when we just expose that, you'd, you'd be amazed at the people damning me to hell for exposing that and saying I'm not a real follower of Jesus or I'm just, just some intellectual idiot snob who thinks I know better than the Holy Spirit. I mean, crazy stuff like that. You think, wow, people get these pet theories and hear something and and and, and and next thing, when you correct it, you're like fighting against God. When you bring the truth, you're like an enemy. Wow. 
That's what Paul says to the Galatians. Galatians 5, have I become your enemy by telling you the truth? So don't get mad at me if I challenge one of your pet peeves. Rather say, well, is, is this accurate? Could he be saying something that's right? Maybe I've been misinformed. Or oh, even if I differ with him, okay, I see where he's coming from. These are not the things that, that we, 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 we die over, okay? These are not the things that we divide over. Yes, it bothers me when I see people refer to Yeshua as Yahshua because that name never existed. That, that bothers me. And then because they're mispronouncing it and, and going out of their way to say it. But listen, if they love him and recognize him as the savior of the world and, and the only Lord, and they've been saved by his blood and now live to follow him, that's far more important to me than someone pronouncing his name correctly, but rejecting him. All right. So can we do this within the family without all kinds of fireworks? All right. Is that possible? I, I'm in. Are you? All right. Let's go to Exodus, the third chapter. And even though in the Hebrew Bible, what we'll refer to as Yahweh right now, I believe that's the best pronunciation, but I'm, I'm not, again, it's not a hill I'm going to die on. The name's been used, all right? We, it starts in Genesis 1 with Elohim, which was not a name, but rather the noun God. It's actually a plural form, but in keeping with Semitic style, Sometimes a plural form can be used to convey power or majesty. So Elohim can mean gods with a small g, all right? It can even refer to angelic beings and others in scripture. But otherwise, Elohim primarily refers to the God. Ha Elohim, the God, all right? And then in the second chapter, you have Yahweh and Elohim together. And in our English Bibles, we normally see it as Lord God. The name Yahweh has been used. We also see Shaddai. And we'll come to that. What does Shaddai actually mean? We'll, we'll come to that. All right. But now in the third chapter, when, when God gets hold of, of Moses, all right, and he, and he calls him and Moses, Moses, the angel of the Lord speaks, here I am. And, and he says, verse five, don't come near, take your sandals off your feet. This is the famous burning bush experience. So now verse six, he said, I'm the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. So I am the Elohim of, of your, your fathers, your ancestors. Then the Lord said, I've surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings and I've come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Now behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me. I've also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppress them. Come. I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. Moses said to God, who, who am I? I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt. He said, but I'll be with you. And this shall be the sign for you that I've sent you when you brought the people out of Egypt. You'll serve God on this mountain. And then Moses said to God, if I come to the people of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. Now Moses is looking for an excuse, right? He's trying to get out of this. And they asked me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, Ehiyah, Asher, Ehiyah. What does that mean? Well, we're used to King James, I am that I am, or ESV and others, I am who I am. Some have translated with, I am who I will be, or there's debate about it. But let's just go with, I am who I am, or I am that I am. 
so that the Ehiyah on the first side is the same as the Ehiyah on the second side. Let's go back to, to looking at the text here. So he said, say this to the people of Israel, Ehiyah, I am, has sent me to you. So is that his name? Is it Ehiyah? No, but it's a related verb. God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel, the Lord, which is Yahweh in Hebrew, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. And thus I am to be remembered throughout all generations. All right, now, those four Hebrew letters, Y-H-W-H, in Hebrew, yud heh vav heh are called the Tetragrammaton. They're referred to as God's ineffable name. Now, Judaism, as it developed over the centuries, decided that the name was too holy to pronounce. And even when speaking about God in any way, if, if you see a traditional Jew, religious Jew will spell, they'll spell G-D or L-R-D. Now, if it's a Torah scroll or a prayer book or something like that, the words will be spelled out. But if they're just writing it, then, then they don't want to profane it by spelling it out in full. That's how far it goes. And for a traditional Jew, when they refer to God, they refer to him as Hashem, which is literally the name. Literally what, what that means. But Hashem now becomes a name in itself, all right? So God certainly communicated this with meaning. The question is, how do we pronounce the name and what did the name mean? Now, in the book of Ezekiel, when God says to his people, you forgot my name, it doesn't mean they forgot how to pronounce it. I don't believe that was the issue at all, especially in the 6th century BC. Now, I don't believe that was the issue at all. And there's no evidence that Jews were not using the name, were not pronouncing it at that time. Centuries later, by the time of Jesus, yes, there's strong evidence that they would say Lord instead of pronouncing his name. And that Jesus would have kept that practice as well. And the New Testament writers kept that practice as well. But, but, when, when God says you forgot my name, it, it doesn't mean you forgot how to pronounce it, but you forgot who I am. Name also has to do with character, has to do with being, has to do with essence. You forgot who I am. When Jesus in the Gospels tells his disciples, I've, I've come and praise this to, to reveal your name, Father. I don't believe for a split second that that meant he was going to give them the secret pronunciation. Hey, guys, this is how you say it. No, I, I don't believe that at all. Not for a split second. Rather, I understand he was going to reveal to his disciples who his father really was, who the God of Israel really was. So how did we get the pronunciation Jehovah? And you will see in different names like Joshua, Yehoshua. There's the Yeho element there. Or different kings and leaders, Yehotzadek, and, and names like that, Yehoiachin, names like that that you say, well, you seem to have that element there. And then what happened is that, as we understand it, the Jewish scribes, and this is in keeping with a tradition we have in the Hebrew Bible and many other places, that when they didn't want you to pronounce the word in the text, they would leave the, the, either leave the vowels out or else put in vowels for another word, okay? Because the vowels are written with little dots and different indications, okay? And that they then put the real reading they wanted you to follow in the margin. I'm trying to make it as simple as I can. It's almost like you got a note in your Bible. Don't, don't, don't read that. Read what it says in the note, okay? Or you see my name Brown 
and it's spelled B R Y W N. It's like, huh? That's something funny there. That, so that's telling you, look, and then you see a note, look in the margin, and it says, no, don't pronounce it brown, pr pronounce it brine, you know, whatever. Okay. Oh, okay. That's, that's odd. But now you know that custom. So because the name of Yahweh, considered to be too sacred to be pronounced, occurs, what, 6,300 something times in the Hebrew Bible, the scribes just had a, a notation that they didn't have a special note in the margin because everybody knew, and he drew reading it, knew, okay, when I see that, I don't say Yahweh, I say Adonai, Lord. So, as it's been normally understood through the ages, the Jewish scribes took the vowels for Adonai, Lord, and put it under the consonants for Yahweh, God's name, which comes up with Yehovah, which comes into English as Jehovah. You say, but if the scribes did that, then how did we get the wrong pronunciation? All right, we'll tell you about that on the other side of the break. God of light, hear our cry. It's the Line of Fire with your host, Dr. Michael Brown. Your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. All right, friends, today we're looking at the names of God, how to pronounce the names of God. The name of God revealed in the Old Testament, the name of Jesus revealed in the New Testament. How do we pronounce these? Should this matter? And again, you missed our opening segment. We don't divide over this. The issue is that we know the God of the Bible. We know his character. We understand who he is and what he requires of us as his people. That's what matters most, that we recognize the one true God. That's what matters most. All right. And, and the debate discussion we're having today is secondary. So either way, don't get all worked up about it. If you agree with me, if you differ with me, I, I, I think that's what God would expect of his children in this case. Well, he gave us his name and he wants us to know how to pronounce it. Oh, okay. I appreciate that zealous position, but maybe I'm right and you're wrong. <laughs> in other words, you're very zealous about it. I appreciate the zeal, okay? I, I'm not upset with you being zealous about that. And I didn't say that to mock it. I said it that some of you are really passionate about it. Believe that. But I've, I've done my homework here. I've got my background. This, this is in, in, in my area of academic study. This is where I earned my PhD. So I, I know how to do the homework here too. So rather than just explicit, dismissing me as, as an ignorant bigot because I differ with your position, that, that's where the immaturity comes in, right? You can have an academic difference with me and you can say, well, I prayed and the Holy Spirit told me this and that. Well, God bless you, but the Holy Spirit's not going to speak falsehood. So we can examine whether it was the Holy Spirit by, by testing the, what you heard, right? And the same way I get on my knees, I pray, I ask God for insight, wisdom, and everything. I don't depend on my intellect. I depend on God. I do my best to study and be accountable and love with all my heart and mind and soul and strength. Same way you do. All right. So <clears throat> the normal understanding is that we got the name Jehovah when Christian scholars in the Middle Ages began, late Middle Ages, began to read the Hebrew Bible and study the Hebrew scriptures in Hebrew. Right? Be before then, they had mainly relied on the Latin and Greek translation. And they saw thousands of times, over 6,000 times, in Hebrew, it looked like Yehovah, Yehovah, Yehovah. So now they brought it into English as Jehovah. And, and many of you have grown up singing hymns to Jehovah and worshiping Jehovah. God's not upset with that. Even if that's a wrong pronunciation, God's not upset with that. Because you're singing that to him, to the God of Israel, to the God of the Bible, to the only Savior, to the only Lord, to the creator of the universe, the only one worthy of being called God. So you are emphatically saying that, and that's what matters most. All right, now, uh, probably the the 
man most associated today with saying that's actually a wrong narrative. And that's the real pronunciation is a, a man named Nehemiah or Nehemiah Gordon. He's a Karaite Jew. You may see him on Christian TV, but he's not, at least to my knowledge at this point, a follower of Yeshua. He's a Karaite Jew. So he is a, a Jewish man who rejects the authority of the rabbis, rejects the Talmud, and bases his faith on the Hebrew scriptures and the, the, the interpretive tradition found by the Karaites. And, and he's a solid guy in terms of knowing Hebrew. He's, he's not one of these internet flakes that just gets up and speaks with authority, even though he doesn't know anything. No, he, he knows Hebrew well. He's done his research on this. And, and he has provided arguments for saying, look, you've got these, these elements and names, these Yeho names that uh, I mentioned earlier. You, you've, the tradition is wrong. This is not the vowels of Adonai, Lord, under the consonants for Yahweh. No, this is the right pronunciation. Others have said God has supernaturally confirmed it. One man said his business began to prosper when he began to use the divine name. Others have said there's supernatural confirmation. Either way, I'm, I'm not going to argue that because I've got people with stories on every side. When I, used it, when I started using the name Yeshua, I saw miracles. When I started using this name, I saw miracles. So let's, we're running out of a battle over pronunciation based on miraculous confirmation because everybody's got their stories. And it could just be God saying, hey, when you call out to me, I honor that. Uh, when you're generally calling out to me, I honor that. Either way. Nehemiah Gordon has given good, solid academic arguments for why he believes that Jehovah is the right pronunciation in English. In fact, he doesn't believe that there was originally a wa sound. He believes it was originally a va, which is contrary to the vast majority of, of Semitic scholarship. But then there are others that would agree with him. So I take his arguments seriously. I've looked at them. I've looked at longer things he's written. Maybe one day we'll get to talk face to face about it, either in debate or dialogue or friendly interaction, whatever. But, but suffice it to say, I believe there's strong academic arguments against each of the points that he's made and to get onto them in the air would be fruitless. The, the, the one tenth of 1% of the folks that would follow the discussion, it's not worth turning off 99.9% .9 of the rest of you. Okay. Uh, and it's not, I'm not saying that arrogantly, trust me, there are a million subjects you could talk about. I'd be left out in the cold. All right. We each have areas of specialization, but. Suffice it to say, there are solid arguments against all of the arguments he's raised. And there are many scholars who believe that those, those Yeho names, that's, that's not even an original form. That's a form getting away from any pronunciation of God's name. And, and then if you move over, take a man like Elijah. What's his name? Eliyahu. My God is Yahu. Where'd that come from? Or Hallelujah. Where'd the Yah come from? In, in, in praise Yah. Isn't that short for Yahweh? All right. And, and, and isn't it Yahoo? Isn't that a contraction of Yahweh? Because the, there's a W in there. And when you drop the final letter, it then bounces back to an OO sound. And can you make those arguments? What would Yahweh actually mean? Well, it would come from a root Hawa, which later is, is Haya. There's a, there's a, a shift. Okay. And it would basically mean he who causes things to be who he who makes things happen. He who brings into existence. It, it, it's literally causes to be he who causes to be. Now you could say, but you don't have that form anywhere in Hebrew. That the, the, it's a particular form called Hifil, a cause of, you don't have that with this root in Hebrew. Fair argument. Others say, yes, but we have it in other Semitic languages. And this is an ancient form, etc. The debate goes on. The debate goes on. But I believe you can make a good case for Yahweh 
being the way that God's name was pronounced. But from his perspective, from his perspective, if you sing, Lord, I praise you. If you sing Yahweh, I praise you. If you sing Jehovah, I praise you. Based on your knowledge and your understanding, and you're talking to him, to the God of the universe, to the creator, to our heavenly father who saved us through the blood of his son, Jesus, that's what matters most. All right, so we can have this discussion. We can debate it. We can go back and forth on it. I'm aware of the pro and con arguments. I just read someone else's arguments, uh, a, a scholar trying to defend a Jehovah pronunciation or a Yehovah pronunciation, and he raised his points. I've, I've read major articles and, and parts of books that, that go in the exact opposite direction. We've got a video that we'll be putting out or consider this series that addresses these very points, but I make it as simple as, as I possibly can for the sake of just a five-minute illustrated graphic video. But to repeat, I don't believe there was ever such a name as Yehovah or Yehovah, which comes into English as Jehovah. I don't believe that name ever existed as a name of God. I understand that Jews, when they would see his name, going back even to the time of Jesus and before, would say instead, Adonai in Hebrew, or Kurios, Lord in Greek. They would say that rather than pronounce the divine name. Ultimately, in Jewish tradition, it was considered blasphemous to pronounce his name. I differ with that. There's nothing in the Bible that says we can't pronounce his name, so I, I reject those Jewish traditions, which is why I freely speak of Yahweh or Jehovah. But again, my understanding, the the Original pronunciation would have been Yahweh as best as we understand, but cannot be dogmatic about it. And you say, well, I'll just stay with Jehovah. Well, no, you'd be far less certain of that. There's far more evidence against that, okay, just to be perfectly clear. But one more point, then we move on, right? One more point. We see how the name is used in Scripture. And the biggest thing is this is God's covenant name. And whatever you want to deduce from the name Go back to Exodus 3 and see when God reveals himself there. And that's what we need to know about who he is. Now, Exodus chapter 6 says something very interesting. Exodus chapter 6, God speaks to Moses, all right? In verse 2, he says, I am Yahweh. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty or El Shaddai. But by my name, the Lord, I did make, not make myself known to them. All right? Now, whether you believe that's Jehovah or Yahweh, either way. And by the way, Yahweh put into English would be Jave, which is what? God used to Jehovah, but Jave, that's even odder. That's why I stay with Hebrew Yahweh. All right? But what does God mean here in Exodus 6.3 when he makes that statement? That, that he appeared to the patriarchs as El Shaddai, which is normally translated as God Almighty, but by his name Yahweh, he wasn't known to them. What, what, do, we, what do we make of that? Yet by my name, Adonai, Lord, Yahweh, I did not make myself known to them. What's he saying? The best way to understand it, because they certainly used his name, Yahweh, and it's in the, the accounts. The best way of understanding that is, he says, I didn't make myself known to them by the name. In other words, everything that name implies in terms of being the one that's going to deliver them from bondage, in terms of being the liberator, in terms of the one who's going to exercise sovereign rule and reign 
over the creation. I didn't reveal myself to them. I wasn't known to them by that name. That's the best way to understand it. Rather, they knew me as El Shaddai, which we normally translate as God Almighty. Does Shaddai mean Almighty? Is, or, or is it true that Shaddai is related to a word for demon? Or is Shaddai related to breast? Is this God's motherly love, like, like a many-breasted God? Or is it related to the word showed, which is destruction? He showed me Shaddai, of, oh, it will come like a destruction from Shaddai, a showed from Shaddai. That's what the prophets said in certain cases about coming judgment. Who, who is this El Shaddai? We'll address that on the other side of the break, and then we'll talk about how to pronounce the name of Jesus. Hey, we don't talk about these things a lot, but we know they're always topics of conversation, so we're weighing in today on The Line of Fire. It's The Line of Fire with your host, Dr. Michael Brown. Get into The Line of Fire now by calling 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Can we know the names of God? Hey, friends, Michael Brown here. Not taking your calls today. I think you really enjoyed today's broadcast. As, as we dig into the Hebrew, as we look into the Bible, try to understand how God revealed himself to Moses, who revealed himself to us through the scriptures. And we've been getting into this for the last half hour or so. So to catch up those just tuning in now, we best understand the pronunciation of God's name as revealed to Moses as Yahweh, not Yehovah or Jehovah, although we're not dogmatic about that and we don't divide over that. And the key thing is that we recognize who he is. Interestingly, in Exodus, the sixth chapter, he says to Moses, I'm Yahweh. But by my name, uh, excuse me, he says, I am Yahweh, but I was not known to the patriarchs as Yahweh, but rather as El Shaddai. Now, again, whether you pronounce it as, as Yehovah or Jehovah or Yahweh, that's not the debate right now. The question is, what does he mean when he says, I, the patriarchs didn't know me as Yahweh, but as El Shaddai? Because when you read in, in the book of Genesis, the name Yahweh is used all the time by the patriarchs. So, so what does that mean? It, it must mean, it must mean that he did not reveal himself in that capacity. There's the full capacity of Yahweh and what it entailed. But when you get to Exodus 3 and you see what he's going to do, he's going to deliver his people from Egypt. He's going to keep his promises. I will, I will, I will. That's now when you see the revelation of that name as the deliverer, the one that, that rules over nature and destroys the false gods, etc. So <clears throat> that's certainly significant. What about Shaddai? What does the name mean? Well, it's only translated God Almighty. El Shaddai, God Almighty. El is is a Semitic word. You you find it in in Hebrew. You find it in Ugaritic. You find it in Akkadian. You find it in Arabic. You find it in Aramaic. It is is a widely used, in different forms. It means God, right? It's a widely used noun. It has to do with, with power, with might. And El was actually the name of the head of the Canaanite pantheon. The gods that were worshipped by the Canaanites, you had a, a hierarchy, and, and Ale was at the top of it. Ale also just means God, all right? And, and then you have other forms of it in Hebrew as well. But <clears throat> El Shaddai, God Almighty, is that what Shaddai means? Some say, well, look, the Hebrew Bible associates it with the word showed, which is destruction. 
Maybe it means destroyer. He showed me Shadayavo. God, God predicts through the prophets of coming destruction. They say it will come like a showed, a destruction from Shaddai. That's just a play on words. Shaddai does not mean the destroyer. He was not known to the patriarchs as the destroyer. Forget that. Some say, well, we've got the Hebrew, we've got Shad in Hebrew and Shaddaiim, that's breasts, okay? And, and Yahweh is being revealed as the many-breasted one. That's what it's talking about, the many-breasted one, and that's the motherly aspect of God. Forget that. Many-breasted one is the fertility goddess, okay? That's not the way God is identified in the Hebrew Bible. He is not likened to a fertility goddess. So throw that out, okay? Goodbye, fertility goddess stuff, okay? <clears throat> Forget that one. Well, shade, that's demons. So is it No, obviously it's not related to demons. We don't know for sure what Shaddai means, but we know that later translators, say, for example, translating into Greek in the Septuagint or translating it into Latin in the Vulgate, they understood it to mean almighty. So you, you've got, say, Jewish translators 200 years before the time of Jesus understanding it to mean almighty or ruler. And then the Vulgate following that a few hundred years later in, in Latin understands that. And some have pointed to a Babylonian Assyrian word, Akkadian, a shadu, which is mountain. And, you know, just like God is the rock, God is the fortress. It, what if it r relates to mountain, this mountain, this, in other words, powerful one. And, and now he is revealed as God almighty to the patriarchs and, 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 bringing them children when they couldn't have children and, and working miraculously on their behalf. But now Yahweh is the covenant name for the nation where he acts on, on, a, on a national, international way, etc. You could make those arguments. So El Shaddai could well be God Almighty, as the tradition says, although we're not 100% sure about the origin. Yahweh emphasizing God's covenant-keeping activity. You also have the name Baal. You say, that's, that's Baal. That's an idol. Baal in itself just means Lord in the sense of master, like in Isaiah 1, an ox knows his Baal, his master. A slave, a servant in Exodus 21 has his Baal, his master. And, and the word could also be used for husband. Now, in ancient Israel, it was used as husband because of his superior status. In modern Hebrew, it's used for husband also. But trust me, with all the feminism in, in Israel, it's not like Baal, my master. My husband is my master. And it's just the word for husband. But what happened is... This was also used as a name for, for the Lord initially, just calling him Lord, all right? But over a period of time, because it was primarily associated with Baal, with this Canaanite deity named Baal, all right? And you had a Baal in this city and a Baal in that city and a Baal in that city. So because his name was associated with this, the word Baal, with, with idols, with demonic worship, God says, I'm going to take that name out. You're no, you're no, no longer going to call me Baali my master. No, no, you're not going to say that about me anymore. So there's a shift at a certain point in the Hebrew Bible where that name is not used in a good way anymore. It's only used in a bad way. All right. But it just basically means master, Lord in that sense. And then there's Adon, which is master in, in terms of more of a, of, of a ruler. Baal could be more of an owner. Adon could be more of a ruler, Lord as ruler. So you have God revealed as El. So that's in his power or Elohim which is a related form and a plural form, speaking of his majestic power. El Shaddai could well mean God Almighty, the powerful one. 
Adon is, is Lord, Baal, more master. And then Yahweh, the most common way that he's referenced in the Hebrew Bible, the covenant keeping God who brings things into existence, who brings things into being. Now, what about the name of Jesus? <clears throat> it's interesting how dogmatic people get about this. And, and, and listen, I, I just have to be candid. And let me say this again. There are endless areas in my life where I am extremely ignorant, extremely ignorant, embarrassingly ignorant. You know, we, we used to joke that before I was eating healthily, Nancy would say, hey, if you're stopping at the store, could you pick up certain things, you know, some fruits? And she'd have to describe them to me. Or I'd have to get online because I'd never, I'd never ate the fruits. I didn't even know what certain fruits were. To this day, we joke about it. She's got this little tool closet, all of her tools and things. And sometimes she'll say, hey, could you get this tool for me? She's working on this little project. And she has to describe it to me because I don't know what the tool is. All right. And, and there are thousands of areas, academic areas, where I'm completely ignorant. Where you could, you could take any of 100 courses or 1,000 courses in a university, and I don't know anything about it. The first day, the first hour, I'd be learning something new. So there are plenty of areas of ignorance that I have. And then there are areas where I've done some studying and learning. What, what bothers me is not someone differing with me based on sound academics. Let's debate this. But people differing based on ignorance, which they get dogmatic about. It must be the original pronunciation must be Yahshua because Yah is short for Yahweh and you start the name with that. And we're... No, the names were not started with that element so that his name was not Yahshua. We have no evidence pointing in that direction, all evidence pointing against it. Names shift. Pronunciations shift. When there is something that is called theophoric onomastica. See, you didn't think you'd hear that on the line of fire today. Those are theophoric, are names with the divine element in them, okay? That they have Yahweh or Ale or something in them, okay? They have part of God's name in them. My name, Michael, that's a theophoric name because Michael, who is like God, who is like Ale, who is like God, all right? That's a theophoric name. So a theophoric name is, is a name that has the divine element in it. And onomastica, that's just list of names. So in my doctoral dissertation, I did extensive study of theophoric onomastic. I have a whole chapter on that where I'm looking to see how Rafa, God the healer, or the deity looked at as a healer, how that comes in different names, like Raphael, for example. That's a theophoric name saying that, that Ale, God, is healer, or God healed. So I, I, I've got, I've got a, probably 15 books just on ancient Semitic names and theophoric onomastica. So it's an area where I've, I've done some research, okay? And the divine name often shifts, the pronunciation shifts depending on where it is in the word and so on and so forth. And Yeshua itself, the name of Jesus, is a shortened form. Just like Michael becomes Mike, well, Ale, the God part, is not even there anymore, right? Michael gets shortened to Mike, and that what happened to the, the God part? Or take the name Micha, the prophet Micah. That's, that's likely not the full name. That's the shorter name. Why? Because it's, it's literally who is like, like what? Like who? It's probably originally Michaiah, 
who is like Yahweh or Michael, like my name, who is like God. And then it gets shortened. So the name Yeshua is already a shortened form. And there's no evidence anywhere, no linguistic textual evidence anywhere that there's a Yah at the beginning, that it should be pronounced Yeshua. Now, trust me, friends. Trust me. I don't need to be a prophet. You don't need to be a prophet to know this. Trust me. Once this is on YouTube, you will get people accusing me of being ignorant for saying these things. Either ignorant or arrogant, because I'm saying this is an area of expertise I have, or claiming that I don't know the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit teaches otherwise. You, you'll, and that's the thing that concerns me, that people can be so dogmatically blind that you present them with evidence, doesn't matter. You present them with facts, doesn't matter. And, and, and here's the funny thing. If I have no expertise at all and say the Lord told me, that for some that's going to be better, all right? But then what if you say the Lord told you and, and it's different? Lord told me that our flight's going out of gate four today. Well, Lord told me it's going out of gate six. Someone says, actually, the ticket says gate five. Well, that's, that's where we go then, all right? So what I'm trying to do is tell you what's on the ticket. I'm trying to give you the facts and the information. But again, here's what we know, that when the gospels were given to us, they were given to us in Greek, okay? There may have been original Matthew and, and Hebrew, Aramaic, or parts of it, but the gospels as we have them, the gospels that were given to us preserved are in Greek. So right from the get-go, we don't have the original Hebrew Aramaic pronunciation Yeshua. We have Jesus. We have the Greek. And, and that's God saying, how you say the name is not the big issue. If it's Jesus in Italian or Jesus in Spanish or Jesus in English, it's knowing who he is and understanding who he is and following him. That's what matters. We'll, we'll dispel a myth when we come back. It's the Line of Fire with your host, Dr. Michael Brown, your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Thanks, friends, for joining us on the Line of Fire. This is Michael Brown. We have been taking calls today as we look at the names of God and how he's revealed in Scripture. I hope you found this enlightening, helpful, and edifying, too. We know that the name Yeshua, from a fuller form, Yehoshua, and some would debate that original pronunciation for various reasons, but that's a whole other subject. We know, though, we know that this name can bring, brings together two elements, the name of the Lord, Yahweh, and the root for salvation. The root is Yasha, salvation is Yeshua. So it brings these two together to say Yahweh is salvation. And if you put Matthew's gospel in Hebrew, then in Matthew 1, you will call him Yeshua because he, Yoshia, he will save his people from their sins. So if this was originally spoken to, to, to Miriam, or if this is Matthew writing it, explaining this in Matthew 1, what his name will be, you will, or conveyed to Joseph in a dream, his name will be called Yeshua. And then in Hebrew, he will save Yoshia, call his name Yeshua, for he, Yoshia, he will save his people from their sins. So from there, the emphasis is clearly on the Lord as Savior. That's what's important to remember. All right, the Greek word soter means Savior, including within that is, is not just spiritual salvation, but deliverance and healing as well, all related concepts, the Savior, the Deliverer, the, he the, the Healer. 
But the name Yeshua clearly brings together Lord and salvation. So the Lord saves. The Lord is salvation. That's what's there. But there is a myth. Oh, gosh. That the Greek Jesus is a corrupted form and that it's actually related to Zeus. All right, here's reality. And I I read this someone else originally. I'm not 100% sure of who said it, so that's why I'm not attributing it. But Jesus is no more related to Zeus than Moses is related to mice. Okay? But in my book, 60 Questions Christians Ask About Jewish Beliefs and Practices, I do address these things. I show first first that this name Yeshua occurs, what, about 27 times in the Hebrew Bible. And when we have the vowels, they come in later, but the vowels that we have in Hebrew say Yeshua. And then the Syriac, which is the Aramaic translation of the Greek New Testament, okay, the Peshitta, the Syriac translation of the Old and New Testament, it also renders with Yeshua. So it has that ye sound at the beginning, the same way, all right? And then it comes into Greek as Jesus. We feel good about this pronunciation, Yeshua, and find no evidence, no evidence for Yeshua. And and the name, so it's in the Hebrew Bible, then it comes into the New Testament. The theme is Yahweh is salvation. All right, so where do people get the name Yeshua? Well, they just argue that it has to have the divine element, Yah, short for Yahweh. It's just based on ignorance of, of how names work in Hebrew. Again, this is a shortened form on top of it. So, no, I'm not going to disfellowship you for saying Yeshua. And if you say the Holy Spirit's moved in power when I said Yeshua, well, what about all the people that say the Holy Spirit's moved in power when they say Yeshua? What about those who say, well, God just told me to say the way I say it in English, Jesus. The power is in who he is, not how you pronounce the name. Okay? <clears throat> all right, so... Check this out. According to A.B. Train in his Holy Name Bible, the name of the Son, Yahshua, has been substituted by Jesus, Jesus, and Ia Zeus, healing Zeus. All right, so first, no such name as Yeshua. Second, there is no connection. Everyone say out loud with me, no connection. If you're driving in the car with someone, look at them and say, no connection. All right, there is no connection of any kind between the Greek, Jesus, all right, and the Greek Zeus. Zero connection. To make this connection is as silly as arguing that the name of professional golfer Tiger Woods is really the name of a tiger-infested jungle. All right, did you get that? Yes, and that's original with me. So according to the Institute for Scripture Research, consider Jesus rendered as Jesus in English. For example, the authoritative Greek-English lexicon of Liddell and Scott under Iaso, the Greek goddess of healing, reveals the name that the name Iaso is Iesu in the Ionic dialect of the Greeks, Iesus being the contracted genitive form. In David Kravitz's Dictionary of Greek and Roman Mythology, we find a similar form, namely Iasus. There were four different Greek deities with the name Iasus, one of them being the son of Rey, Orea. Well, as I write in 60 Questions Christians Ask About Jewish Beliefs and Practices, It sounds impressive, but it is complete nonsense as far as any connection with the name Jesus, Jesus, is concerned. The entry in the authoritative lexicon of Liddell and Scott that has said it has nothing to do with the name Jesus. In other words, they cite Liddell and Scott, but they don't cite it accurately. They cite it and then they add it into the rest of their garbled sentence. 
it, it reminds me, I've used this illustration before, that when my sister and I were little kids and there was a summer house we used to go to on Long Island before we moved out there, and we were going to take a walk down the street. So, you know, maybe she's seven and I'm four, and there was a girl like two, and she wanted to come with us, two or three. She wanted to come with us. And my sister said, well, you can't unless your mommy says yes. So she says, mom. And the mother says, yes. She goes, she said yes. It's like, <laughs> you took her out of context a little bit, little girl. All right. So of course we made her, let her mother say yes, understanding. Okay. It was also a different day then. Just think of that. Kids just walking through the neighborhood, you know, seven, five, two, just walking down the street. Anyway, <clears throat> the entry in the authoritative lexicon of Liddell and Scott said it has nothing to do with the name Jesus. The author of this comment might be sincere, not intentionally trying to mislead, but the argument is absolutely worthless from an etymological, in other words, linguistic derivation standpoint. Here's an, an equally ridiculous statement. Basically, to keep it simple, Jesus is a very poor Roman translation from Latin. It was also poorly translated from the Greek, which in no way re resembles his Hebrew name, Yahushua. All right, so now they've changed the name to Yahushua. Got another name for the Lord. Whew, get all that? Moreover, according to the Encyclopedia Britannica, I'm still reading this quote, the name Jesus, Jesus, is a combination of two mythical deities, Eu and Zeus, Zeus, a Greek god. In Gnostic and Greek mythologies, they're actually one and the same pagan deity. So it appears the name Jesus has some documented pagan origins. That's not good. In fair, some messianic believers disagree and state that there is no definitive evidence to commit, connect Jesus to Zeus. However, I disagree with them. Another nonsense article. So these ideas, as I write, have as much to support them as the latest Elvis is Alive sighting. First, we know where the name Jesus came from. It came from the Jewish Septuagint. The Greek translators, when they translated the name Yeshua, as well as Yehoshua, Joshua, translated with Jesus. That's where it came from. It, it came from these translators over 200 years before the time of Jesus. It was, the, it was not some late pagan corruption. It was the natural Greek way of rendering the Hebrew Aramaic name Yeshua at least two centuries before his birth. It's the form of the name found in all the more than 5,000 Greek manuscripts of the New Testament. The name Yesus is also found in Greek writings outside the New Testament and dating to that same general time. Secondly, the Greek forms related to Iaso, having to do with healing, are completely unrelated to the name Yesus. The word Iaso has an alpha for its second letter, reflecting its derivation from the verb Iaomai to heal. The Greek Jesus has an eta for its second letter, showing that it's completely unrelated to the word for healing in Greek. It's 100% unrelated. Two completely different words. 100% unrelated. Third is noted on a website devoting to, uh, devoted to refuting the strange claims of the sacred name movement, that the Del Scott reference is also erroneous. So no time to get into that, but that that's also completely erroneous. And then, and then, it's claimed that the Encyclopedia Britannica says that the name Jesus is a com combination of two mythical deities, Eu and Zeus, Zeus, a Greek god. It says no such thing. There's, there's no record that any early edition said so either. N nowhere. It's a complete fabrication. Somebody either made it up or, or mistook a source and repeated it and then it got, became internet legend, whatever, but it's complete myth. It's like, yeah, if you'll go back to our original constitution in the earliest manuscripts, you'll see it mentions Donald Trump by name. No, it doesn't. That's just a joke illustration. But of course it doesn't. As one critic put it nicely to repeat, Jesus is as much related to Zeus as Moses is to mice. 
in any case, put that down. Stop there. In rabbinic literature, in the Talmud, the name Jesus, Yeshua, occurs as Yeshu. It no longer has the final ayin. It's no longer related to the word for salvation. Now, to a rabbinic Jew, a traditional Jew, when he sees Yeshu, that's a bad name. Yeah, a modern Israeli, that's how they know it. So you have to tell them that Yeshu is actually Yeshua. It gets a little confusing. It's like, what? You've got to straighten that out. And when a traditional Jew says the name, he's understanding it to mean Yimach Shemov Zichro, may his name and memory be blotted out. In other words, it is a hostile cursing of Jesus' name. Now, whether that's how it was originally taken or whether the final ion dropped out, just a linguistic process, these things happen. And this is the short form. And then later it was used in a derogatory cursing way. All we know is that for centuries it's been used in a, in a derogatory cursing negative way by traditional Jews. And that it could well be that the Talmud, if it's referring to the same Jesus, our Savior, it refers to him in the ugliest, most derogatory ways imaginable. All right. Unfortunately, others debate. No, no, the chronology doesn't work. It's talking about a different Jesus. But sadly, the Talmud either misses him entirely or what it speaks of him is ugly and deeply wrong. Another reason to pray for the repentance and salvation of the Jewish people. Good news is the day is coming. The day is coming when every knee will bow to that name, Jesus. Every tongue will confess that Jesus, the Messiah, is Lord. Every other tongue will be silenced on that day. I can't wait for it to happen. All right, friends, be blessed. We'll be back with you on the next one.